Welcome back to the Field of 68's Off the Carousel, where we talk to the different coaching hires across the country. And at the age of 38, Adam Fisher takes over the Temple Owls program. He's a Penn State State grad, formerly on the Penn State staff, and now takes on this opportunity as the head coach of the Owls. And Adam, let's start with this. To have a dream come true and be a college head coach, a kid from Jamison, Pennsylvania. How cool is this for you? It's awesome, right, John? First off, thanks for having me on here. This is great, but uh, it doesn't get better than this. And, you know, growing up, a huge fan of Big Five basketball, Temple. Uh, this is a dream come true. And uh, I'm excited. My family's excited. And uh, we're going to have more people in the seats that you're just going to have a big family. And they're all about an hour away. So I told the AD, Arthur, who's been fantastic. I was like, Arthur, I need extra tickets. I need some extra tickets there. But no, we're, we're super excited. This is, this is a dream come true to be here. I want to look back at, at your days as a student at Penn State because it, it started there. Unless it started earlier, I want to hear about the roots for you that made you say, all right. Adam Fisher wants to be a coach. No, it's great. You know, I, I think I knew early on, I wasn't that good of a player. So I knew uh, at high school, I took a lot of charges and uh, I tried to see the game a lot um, from a coach's perspective. And I played for uh, Coach Wright, Jay Wright's brother in high school, which was great. Uh, and then working at Penn State, worked for Jerry Dunn and Ed DeCellis, who were two unbelievable basketball coaches, but better people. And both of whom I still talk to to this day. And when I need advice, I call coach to tell us, Coach D, what do you think? Um, so I knew early on that this is this is what I wanted to do. And my family owned a hotel and restaurant growing up. And, you know, my dad always told me and my grandfather, my mom, learn every position, learn every position. So uh, when they had their hotel and restaurant, I thought I was going to be a bus. Or, excuse me, I thought I was going to be a waiter right away. And my dad said, no, you're in the back. You got to go clean all the dishes and the pots and pans. I said, come on, we own this place. I got to be a waiter. And uh, didn't work that way. So I've learned early on, uh, learn every position. And that's what I think I've done in college basketball. I've been able to learn every position to prepare me for this role. Did you eventually become a waiter? Did you move up? Do you have any, I, any epic stories from your days working there? I did. You know, I, I became a waiter. I was pretty good. I was pretty good. Worked the holidays because, you know, I was with my family. So it was great. I could... I could put on a Santa hat and get extra tips right around Christmas Eve, <laughs> uh, whatever it may be. And they'd be like, don't you wish you were home with your family? Yes, I do. But I'm here today because I want to be here with the people. So uh, it worked out great, though. Um, you know, it, it was fun and it was a great experience because it taught me what hard work really meant. And it taught me responsibility at an early age. Uh, my brother and I both did. So it was great. So you're in that position at, at Penn State. and then you're a GA for Jay Wright. So you're in the big five and you're a GA for Jay Wright when Villanova makes the final four. You, you were there from 2007 to 2009. They go in the final four in 09. What was that like? Incredible. Incredible. Um, you know, you think it's easy. You get early in, in your career, you go to a sweet 16 the year prior and then a final four. Uh, but it was really hard. And I, Coach Wright is one of the absolute greatest coaches of all time of any sport. Uh, I'm really lucky to learn under him as a Hall of Fame coach. And uh, 
you know, again, each person I've worked for has taught me something and learning from him early on, it, again, is why I'm here. And I thank him all the time when he texts me. I'm always like, coach, I'm here because of you. And he's like, no, you didn't. You earned it. But I am. He really taught me a lot about how to run a program, how to build a culture and how to do things the right way. You can be successful. And I'm so grateful for that opportunity. So it's interesting now as you take over this job at Temple, because as you take over the job, the Big Five announces this brand new idea that, that's going to come to fruition. You will be in a pod with LaSalle and Drexel. And then pod two is Villanova, Penn, St. Joe's. You guys will play each other in your pod. So you'll play LaSalle and Drexel. And then this all leads up to basically a, a Big Five, now six, sort of, Super Bowl, if you will, in downtown Philly, where... Okay, theoretically, if you do what you have to do, and maybe it's Temple Villanova in downtown at the Wells Fargo Center. How, do you like this new Big Five outlook? You know, I think I think it's like everything in college basketball, John. Everything's changing. I love the Plester. I think it's an unbelievable place. Uh, even at other universities I've been at, we would schedule games yeah. um, there to get back to the Plester. At the University of Miami, we did it. Uh, at Penn State, we did it. Yeah. And I think yeah. it's great for student-athletes to be a part of and playing a game like that. So, you know, it, it's evolved and we're excited to play where, in, uh, where the 76ers play, right? So that's something that we talk about and, you know, we're going to take it one game at a time, but I, I'm excited because I think growing up, I always thought the big five games were like NCAA tournament games and that, that energy and that atmosphere, you know, no matter who it is. And I think you still have that. And if you look at the coaches that are in that, it, it's unbelievable. Those guys are awesome. I've been at a couple events already with them. Uh, and it's just such high character, great basketball minds in the big five. So it's unique. It's unique to our city and something I'm going to take great pride in. All right, let's talk about you building out this roster. And as I'm talking to you, as we're taping this, this comes just hours after Jordan Riley puts out the video on Instagram that he will be a Temple Owl. You guys have formally released the news as well that Jordan signed the aid agreement. But not only that, in the video of him committing, we have a couple of Temple staff members surfing on a wooden table. What was behind that? <laughs> and how exciting are you to bring in the Georgetown transfer, a former highly touted recruit? Uh, we're, we're so excited to have him. Not only have him, but his family. Uh, and that's what it is for me. I don't want just, you know, Jordan to be here. We said that to his family. You all join our family when he makes that commitment. Um, the surfing, uh, we are a little bit crazy as a staff in a positive way. Um, I don't know if this is out there or not, but I might get myself in trouble. But we're playing in a tournament where surfing uh, would take place. Um, all right. All right over around the Christmas time. And uh, so early on, somebody said, hey, if you decide you're coming here, we will jump on a table and surf. And uh, he he said he wanted to be a part of this and, and part of the legacy here at Temple. And uh, next thing you know, I had no idea somebody videotaped that. That was in a private room. And uh, there we are surfing on table. So whatever it takes, where, you know, I said I would do it. There we were. And uh, my wife texted me and said, you need to take some surf lessons because you look absolutely terrible. And please don't do that again. So uh, I'll listen to her on that. <laughs> that That's good stuff. And and he's not the only guy here. You bring in a Providence transfer in Quantit Berry. And then you also 
welcoming a guy in Matteo Piccarelli, who was at UMBC and was a great shooter there and one of the best shooters in the America East. Tell me a little bit more about these additions and how have you viewed, all right, here's how I've got to build out this roster for year one. Yeah, no, it's great. And I want to even add one more guy, Hasir Miller, um, who entered the transfer portal. And then we met several times uh, and a great credit to our staff. Chris Clark did an amazing job uh, relationship with him. Uh, Michael Huger, Bobby Jordan, all have done amazing jobs since they've gotten here to, to help build this roster. Um, but we're so excited for those guys. You know, I think Matteo can really shoot the basketball. Uh, this past year at Penn State under Coach Shrewsbury, we led the Big Ten and uh, set a school record for most made threes. And we're going to attempt to do it here in the AAC. And uh, that's something that I think you need, that skill set of, of shooting. So that was really exciting. And then Quante is just such a dynamic player. Um, you know, we they was in the mix with them. People on our staff knew him in high school, which was big. Um, then you talk to other coaches that knew of him and just spoke highly. He came here for a visit. Unbelievable family. And, and all the guys, all four, and include us here in that, they just fit Temple. And it's a blue-collar area, as you know, Philadelphia. These guys have a chip on their shoulder. They want to win. And that's all they kept talking about. They will do whatever it takes for this team to win. Um, you know, Quante, obviously, they went to the NCAA tournament. Um, so that was important. And I think surrounding the right pieces uh it's fitting like a puzzle for us john and we want the right pieces that all have a common goal and that's to be on the same page to play meaningful games in march and that's what we're building and when we talk to these young men on the phone that's one of the first thing all four said coach we want to win i said so do i trust me i want to win too and uh, that's how we're trying to build this hmm. you talked about being the right fit for temple so when they reach out to you about this job and you think of Temple, we all look at a guy like Coach Chaney and and like that legacy, his image, his figure, what he stood for, simply amazing. Is that the first image that, that pops in your mind when you're thinking about being the Temple Owls head coach? Is it something different or, or what images were you thinking of? Like, well, I get to be part of that. You know, for me, John, it was that you think of coach Chaney. I also, you know, you think of all the coaches that have been here, especially in recent years, like Fran Dunphy's unbelievable. Right. I mean, another guy, Aaron McKee legend, you know, I, I've said this repeatedly, you know, the first time coach McKee said my name on the road, I was like, Oh man, Aaron McKee knows my name. He said Adam, um, but he's been great. And I've reached out to him multiple times. He's been absolutely fantastic. I want this to be, to me, Temple's legacy is built on all the former players. And there's just an incredible amount to be the sixth winningest program in all of college basketball. That's what I want to be a part of. And I'm not here to do anything, but try to continue the legacy. And each day I've reached out to at least two to three former players uh, about three to four times a week. And I want them to know this is their program. And I want you to come back. And, you know, when you get that first phone call, I think they all think, uh-oh, is he calling me for money? No, I tell them all the time, no, I'm not calling you for money. But I am going to ask you to do something. I want you to come back. And what we've done here and the few workouts we had while we were allowed to, uh, any former player that comes back, I ask to speak to the team. I need them to explain the pride they had in wearing the cherry and white. And I need it to be from people that have won people that have played in, you know, elite eight, sweet 16s, been to the NCAA tournament. I think that's what our 
student athletes need. And we're going to continue to build that. I want this to be known as a player's program. What was it like coaching Jalen Pickett and being with Micah Shrewsbury in Happy Valley as you guys achieved history this past year and go all the way to the Big Ten title game, win an NCAA tournament game, and you're right there in the first weekend of the tournament making noise. What was all of that like and just being able to to oversee a, a superstar in Jalen? You know, it, it was amazing. You know, uh, obviously I went to Penn State. It, it means a lot to me. Happy Valley uh, opened its arms to my wife and daughter who we brought up during COVID. And she was like six months old. We're putting her on a plane with a little child face mask and uh, all these things. So it, it was really special. Um, Micah Shrewsbury has got an unbelievable family. Um, his wife, Molly, their four kids. We got really close with them while we were there. Um and he just taught, he taught me so much, the NBA background, how to treat people, um, which was great. And then I'm in this position because of Jalen Pickett, Andrew Funk, Cam Winter, Miles Dredd, Seth Lundy. Uh, you know, the list goes on and on. Those guys are why I'm here. When I was 14 and 17, you don't get a lot of phone calls to be uh, head coach interview. You go to the NCAA tournament and you're a couple possessions away from a sweet 16 you know, that's, that's when you get the phone call. So that's my message. Winning opens all these doors and it opens the doors for team success. Jalen Pickett's one of my all time favorite people I've ever been around. Uh, and I share this story. One time I came home uh, from practice, watched some video and I see Jalen Pickett's car in my driveway. And I'm like, what is Jalen doing here? And uh, we used to have the players at Penn state over the house a lot. Uh, they gave out the Halloween candy to the kids in the neighborhood on Halloween. And uh, so I get there, I'm like, pick, what are you doing? He said, I texted your wife. I was having a, a rough day. So she said she would cook me dinner. So there they are. He's just sitting there with my daughter and uh, my wife. And I come home. I'm like, can anybody tell me? Um, but he, <laughs> as great of a year as he had, and it's probably the best I've ever seen, to be honest with you, best season I've seen someone do. He's just an incredible leader. And he gives all the credit to his teammates, Cam Winter, Andrew Funk, Miles, Seth, you name it. He gives those guys, including all the freshmen we had there, those are the guys he gives credit to. Um, he's an unbelievable person. I can't wait to see what's next for his career. And I'm so grateful to him for believing in us early on. Very similar to this. We got to Penn State and a lot of guys jumped in the transfer portal. And uh, I keep telling our staff, find me the next Jalen Pickett. They're like, he doesn't exist right now. I go, find me the next Jalen Pickett. That's what we need here at Temple. But uh, he's been great. Adam, when you got hired, there was doubt from the outside world. And we all know where some of that was coming from. What do you say to those out there who suggest 38 year old, a guy who hasn't been a head coach, mm, don't love it? Well, I'll, I'll set the record straight. I'm 39, John, just so you know, I am 39. So uh, I wish I was only 38. I feel like I'm 68 right now. Uh, you know, look, everybody in the media, you, you guys have a great job and it's a tough job and everybody's entitled to their opinion. And I know some things came out that were positive, some that weren't, and I have great respect. And, uh, you know, Jeff Goodman is one of them. And Jeff, somebody I've known for a long time, I have great respect for him. I think he does an amazing job and I can't fault him for, um, giving his opinion, right? That's his thoughts. 
Um, I have a different opinion than he does on this, but I still respect him. He's done a great job. He's throughout the year. So I've always had respect for him. Um, you know, I, I, I would just say we're here to win and that's what I'm here to do. I'm going to build it. I've had unbelievable mentors. And I think when you work for uh, coach, right. And you work for the unbelievable coach, Larinaga, um, it doesn't get better than that. So to me, I've seen so much because those guys allow you to do a lot. They prepare you. Coach Larinaga prepares you for your next role. So when I was a director of ops, he prepared me to be an assistant coach while I was the director of ops. When I became an assistant coach, he was preparing me to be a head coach. So there's going to be things that pop up that I'm not sure what to do. And it's already happened here. And you know what I did? I called Coach Larinaga. I said, Coach, I got a question. I got a situation. How would you handle this? And he told me, and I said, Coach, that's unbelievable advice. Thank you. Um, and that's what I'm going to do. Cause I think you got, we got to be lifelong learners. And I think we learn from our student athletes more than anybody. Um, but I'm not afraid. I don't know it all. I don't, there's going to be some things this year that I'm going to reach out to some people and ask their opinion. And I might not always take it, but I want to hear what they have to say. Um, so again, I think everybody's entitled to their opinion. I've always had a chip on my shoulder. I'm motivated. Uh, for those who didn't think I should be here, I invite you come to practice. Let's go to lunch. Come on over. You guys are open anytime you guys want. For those that do think I had the job and thought it was a good hire, thank you. My <laughs> wife likes reading nice things and my family. Uh, and you're always welcome. Uh, yeah. But I think, you know, look, everybody has a job to do. So I, I respect it. I understand it. And um, just I'm excited to be here. And I think uh, I think Temple chose the right person. And we're thrilled to be here. Rapid fire to close. What's your wife's best home cooked meal? Ooh, that's a tough question right here. I'm going to go chicken. I like, uh, there's a lot of good options here. I'm going to go chicken fajita night. She does a good job. Love it. When you, when you're getting ready for a big game and you've got something on in the car or something in your headphones, what are you listening to? Billy Joel, hands down. Not even a doubt. Billy Joel every game and then certain games are different songs but it's billy joel blasting uh in the arena we did it at penn state andrew funk shot two hours before every game and we listened to billy joel the whole time and uh for me it's on on game day in the car in my office so uh if billy joel's listening i'd love to meet him you know just so we put that out there you know what i mean so if he's listening to this that'd be great he's coming to philly he's coming I'm, to philly I'm soon hoping, i'm hoping to go i've already put some feelers out about tickets I love Miami 2017 Italian restaurant. Don't ask me why we could go on. Doesn't get better than that. Josh. Um, <laughs> um, you've been awesome, Adam. And I wish you the best of luck here as you take on this job, take on this opportunity and looking forward to, to seeing you crush it in Philadelphia. And thanks so much for taking the time on off the carousel. No, thanks, John. Come on. Come on down. Let's get a cheesesteak together whenever you want. On me. I got you. Done. Done. Be careful with that. Done. <laughs> Our partner for today's episode is Athletic Greens. I started taking AG1 during the college basketball season, and I loved the impact that it had on my energy levels. I'm a big coffee in the morning guy, but by the time that the afternoon would hit... I needed another boost. AG1 helped me tremendously, especially on those days when I didn't want to get up off the couch and go hit the gym. Their tagline is AG1 is comprehensive health and the power of habit in one. And man, that could not be more 
true. It's nearly impossible to eat and drink in a healthy manner in the month of February and the month of March when you are in my business. And AG1 was exactly the supplement that I needed to improve my gut health and cover my nutritional bases for the day. I've continued that into April. I've continued that into May, and I'm going to continue that the rest of the summer. All I have to do is mix a scoop of AG1 with some water or maybe add it into a smoothie and I'm ready to go. Do it after lunch and you'll be ready to go for the rest of the day. If a comprehensive solution is what you need from your supplement routine, then Athletic Greens is giving you a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Go to athleticgreens.com backslash field68. That's field68, F-I-E-L-D, the number six, the number eight, and you can get yours now. So check it out and help support this show. Thanks. All right, Jeff Goodman here with another edition of Off the Carousel. And uh, we turn to new Western Kentucky head coach, Steve Lutz. And Steve, how are you? Congrats, first of all. Yeah, thanks, man. Thanks. Doing good. Uh, just coming off Derby weekend, so it's a little bit foggy on Monday. But, you know, it's uh, it's it's been good. It's been a great it's been a great month. Yeah, I didn't pick the right one. I didn't pick the right horse this time, uh, you know. Seven years ago, I did the Derby and killed it on the Oaks. Uh, hit like four trifectas. What came up uh, empty on the Derby? How'd you do on the Derby? Uh, I, I didn't even get a chance to bet, but I, I went to um, I guess what you would call a Derby party, yeah. and uh, I learned a lot. Like I learned the boxes and the trifectas, and um, had I bet on what they told me to, I would have uh, placed on two of the three. I mean, obviously nobody knew 14 was going to come out of the, or eight, sorry, eight was going to come out of the woodworks and, and win the damn thing. But uh, it was fun. It was interesting. They love their horses up here and they love the Derby. They do that. They do. Um, you, you had been a, a career assistant for 25 plus years. And then you got your chance at Texas A&M Corpus Christi. Uh, you were on the beach. You were having fun on the beach. I know you are. Um, yeah. Winning, winning and uh, hitting the beach a little bit. It was it was a perfect spot for you. What did you learn in those two years as a head coach uh, that maybe, again, you'll be able to take to, to Western Kentucky now? Uh, I mean, it's a lot harder than you think because you sit over there in that chair and you go, well, if I was the head ball coach, I would do this yeah. or I would handle it this way. And then, you, you know, obviously you get the um, – the responsibility put on your shoulders and you're, you're kind of looking around going, well, who the hell, you know, who, who the hell am I going to run this by? Yeah. And ultimately there's, there's not many people you can talk to about it. Right. I mean, I talked to my wife and I talked to a few friends, but you got to figure out what the heck you want to do. Cause it doesn't matter what those other guys think. It doesn't matter what the, what the staff wants. It matters what you're able to tolerate. It matters what you're able to, put up with and then ultimately live with it and then figure it out. And uh, like Greg McDermott, um, Matt Painter, those guys are great at figuring it out. And and what I mean by that is all these guys we recruit, none of them are perfect. You know, I'm not perfect, but you've got to figure we, out we a know way. You're not perfect. We yeah, no perfect. shit. Yeah. So, you know, you got to figure out a way to make it work right? You got to make it work with your kids and your wife. It's the same thing with players at times. Um, what do you, what can you overlook? What, what are you not negotiating on those sorts of things? 
why was this such a perfect job for you um, at Western Kentucky? Obviously, you've been kind of all over a, as an assistant. You know, Midwest, you've been kind of, you know, obviously SMU, Texas A&M Corpus Christi, you've been, you're strong in Texas. Why was this a, a great spot for you? Uh, number one, because it, it's kind of the right time um, for me. You know, I was able to to go down and, and be around my family, my mom, especially my brothers and sisters for a couple of years, which I hadn't done. And like my mom turns 90 tomorrow and I got to have my kids around her, um, you know, for the latter years of her life. But I got to learn. Right. I got to learn. um not under a microscope. A lot of times, you know, you you get a job and you leave the Big Ten and, and you go to Western Kentucky and man, there's message boards and Twitter and social media and they're critiquing every move. Like I wasn't here a week, maybe two weeks. And uh, Trey Tennyson left Corpus Christi. And so I bring Trey in for a visit and I think, yeah, man, we got a really good shot to get him. It's going to be us and TCU blah, blah, blah. Well, NIL blows me out of the water. He goes to TCU. Jamie does a great job, man. These people are going, Hey, he can't even recruit his own player. No. <laughs> so, you know, they're crushing you a little bit, which is, is totally cool. I, I get it. I'm uh, I'm okay with where I'm at and who I am and, and everything that comes with it. But my point being is <clears throat> when you go down to Corpus Christi, man, you can make some mistakes and really you're not going to get raked over the coals by it. Right. And so you get to figure some things out on your own. How do you describe um, your coaching style and, and the way you want to play and the way you want to coach to those who really don't know you yet at, at, at WKU? Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I probably coach like I parent a little bit. And, and I know that sounds crazy, but like I, I'm when I talk to my kids, I, I talk to them in in matter of fact terms like okay hey you know my oldest daughter right now she's looking at um internships with the pacers and also with major league baseball and i'm like okay well if you go to this hey here's the positives here's the negatives well if you do the other one here's the positives here's the negatives but you could screw both of them up so let's not do that right and i, I i'm the same way with the with the fellas like Hey man, you are really good at coming off of screens and um, catching and shooting. So man, I want to get you five of those every single game. And if you're rolling, man, we're going to get you ten. Now you're maybe not so good at getting downhill and finishing at the rim. Well, you know my my ratio of shots for you needs to be five threes to one at the rim, or vice versa. And in the same kind of thing in the post. Man, if I can get you on the left block and you're great with your right-hand jump hook, I'm going to throw you that ball as much as I can, right? But I'm not going to pick and pop and have you shoot a bunch of threes because that's asinine, right? It, it makes no sense. Um, so I try to just be very direct and honest with them. Um, but I tell them when I make a mistake too. I I, I don't sit up uh, on that hill and live in that glass house and and not act like I don't know that I screwed things up too. All right, so you're you're following a guy that I have said over and over and over might be the most feared recruiter of our time. Now, again, a lot of people will will laugh at me when I say that now. Some of the young guys that have come in the last five, 10 years don't understand that when Rick Stansbury walked in the gym 
20 years ago with, with the Mississippi State shirt on. And, and you know, like he, he they go three or four deep and guys would just leave. So you you follow again a guy that didn't get it done uh to get to the NCAA tournament, but got talent in to, to Western Kentucky. Uh what what's that like for you in terms of um again, obviously I don't, you know, it's it's not the same as maybe he was at Mississippi State because he didn't get to the tournament, but he brought in a, no shortage of talent over the last five, six years. Yeah, I mean, those guys, they have a lot. They've had a lot of talent through here, and they've won games. Unfortunately, at Western Kentucky, um, your standard is to go to the NCAA tournament, right? And, and you start to look at the number of Sweet 16s that this university has been to, been to a couple Final Fours. I mean, you just uh, you got to you got to understand the the field, right? And and the field is that the standard of excellence here is that we're going to go to the NCAA tournament. We're going to win games in the NCAA tournament. We want to go to the Final Four and and give ourselves a, a chance to uh, to win a national title. I mean, there's only two schools in the country, if I'm not mistaken, Kentucky and uh, Kansas, that have more conference titles than we do. Wow. Think about that at yeah. Western Kentucky. Yeah, no, that's crazy. Um, and, and, but you know, I mean, I think at the end of the day, uh, you're you're measured upon your team, not your talent, right? And then so that's my, I don't want to say pitch, but that's my quest is to build the best team here, right? For us to be able to recognize our goals. You know, it's it. We've all got to collect talent. We've all got to acquire talent, but you've got to still have the requisite amount of talent to go along with leaders, to go along with role players, to go along, blah, blah, blah. Right. And, and that's our, that's our big, that's our big thing is to, to build the best team um, and put that team out on the floor next year. So you lost certainly a good amount of talent in, in the portal, which happens every coaching change for the most part. Yeah. There aren't many guys that are going to be able to, you know, um, retain right now. Right. coaching change so you lose mcknight you lose sharp you lose a couple other guys but those are the main ones roles i guess um how realistic is it for you guys to be in the hunt to win the the conference you know tournament or regular season title in year one when you've had to flip the roster the good thing is you got the portal right that's the the positive is everybody's flipping the roster these days for the most yeah. part. So you're not alone, but you know, you don't really know the league well yet. Um, you know, I, I guess where do you stand in terms of re expectations, realistic expectations in year one? Well, I mean, that's a hard question to answer because I still have five scholarships open. Right. And uh, you need a couple point guards. You need a couple big guys. Are we close on some guys? Yeah, absolutely. And with, uh, the the portal being so fluid and rosters being so fluid and you know us having three or four more days till the portal closes man it's hard to answer that but i mean I, you've obviously known me i'm not wired to come in here and say oh, i'm trying to build for year three that's that's just not who i am um i'm trying to put the best team on the floor so that we can go to the tournament next year you know Sel selfishly i've i've been absolutely blessed to go to like I think this is eight, it would be my eighth tournament straight. Really? Just, between, it's sick, between, right? I mean, 
Yeah. That's crazy. That's crazy. And, uh, but that's the way I'm wired and that's what we're, we're pushing for. And, and I want to make happen and there's no reason it can't happen. I mean, you look at, uh, I don't know, you look at the league. I mean, everybody has been decimated at some point or at some position by the portal. It's just, you're going to have to look to rebuild your roster every year. You, you know, you want to keep kids in, in, in the fold but man you can't count on that you just can't so what's your kind of theory going forward because obviously you got to go heavy portal even yep. even even once you get your legs under you next year and, and you're gonna go heavy portal but what's your ideal construction of a team right now do you even know is it you know half portal try to get half high school kids maybe you know you've done some work with some international kids as well What's your ideal blueprint if you have one? I'm all over the map. I I don't have one. Um, I would like to get some high school guys because I'd like to have some people um, that are going to stay in the program for four years, especially in the state of Kentucky where, you know, uh, arguably you've got Kentucky, Louisville, and then right there is Western Kentucky. So these kids, um, if, you know, if Kentucky's full and, and maybe we don't get that kid or, they beat us on a kid or however you want to say it. Those guys want to come here. And so if you can get those guys and keep them for four years, man, you, you've, you've got a heck of a deal. But um, right now I'm, I'm probably leaning a little more towards experience. Um, I think we need experience. I think we need guys that have been, you know, in the fight before and understand what the fight is about. Obviously I've, you know, I've coached junior college. I played junior college. I, associate with junior college guys and so that's never off of the the table for us and uh one of my assistant coaches that I just hired Hank Plona obviously he was uh one of the most successful junior college coaches in the country so um I'll stay with that blueprint but I want to mix it up especially um guys that are within you know 100 to 200 miles of this campus man I'd love to have some really really good high school players and keep them well, you've already, I mean, listen, the, at least two of the guys you brought in transfer-wise um, come from winning programs, right? Like, that's key, isn't it? Brandon Newman coming from Purdue, you obviously knew him very well. Um, then then the kid, Baba Carfe, from College of Charleston, I got a chance. You, you know, I was down in Charleston forever yeah. over the, the offseason. Spent some time around him. What a good kid. Um, talented. You know, a little raw. Um, mm -hmm. offensively, but plays hard. Uh, I think he's got a high upside. And again, just probably wasn't getting as many minutes as he would have liked at a place like Charleston. Uh, how important when you're looking, I mean, I think every coach says this. Steve. Every coach says, I want to get guys from winning programs. Well, you can't all get them from winning programs. I mean, there's only a certain amount of kids that come from winning programs. I, I believe in it wholeheartedly. I mean, you know, those two guys have been coached. Um, they know what it looks like. They know what the work looks like. And uh, it, it's hard to teach people that. So, you you know, when you can bring guys in that have that, man, that really, really helps you. Um, but then, you look, you know, we took a young man named Don McHenry. With, you know, he played at Indian Hills, and he's a first-team All-American. Man, he knows what winning looks like as well. And I think that that stuff matters. Um 
I'd almost take a little less talent from a, from a winning program versus a guy that's just off the charts who, you know, maybe doesn't understand about getting up and getting shots up and then going to class and then going to practice and then getting more shots up and then going to study all and then coming back to the gym. Like those guys are the ones that help you win. Um, you know, it's the guys that don't understand the day-to-day grind and, and stacking up good days on top of one another. And then ultimately it, you know, it builds a conference title and, and you get to go to the NCAA tournament. Those, those guys have a hard time. So on your gravestone, is it going to say the guy who discovered Zach Eady? <laughs> that we're gonna put on there i don't know i sure hope not i i love zach and he's a heck of a player but i sure hope i do a little more than just discover zach Eady. i'll, I'll hey, say that's that. a big one though that was a big, a big one. one yeah that's a big one but you know I, I what was he like the, the first time again you and i have talked about this a little bit but when you saw the the now national player of the year who hopefully will come back for another year to Purdue, as long as they, you know, Painter can get him enough NIL, I think he'll be back for another year. Um, what was he like that first time you saw him? Where was it? And and what do you remember? Yeah, it's a good one. Um, so, you know, and I hate to say it this way, but when those NCAA academies came out, most power five programs are looking at those things going, man, these are a waste of our time. You know, we're better off at NBA top 100 camp. So, the thing about Matt and, and me is you, you go and you work, right? And you evaluate. And so I walk into Houston, to the academy in Houston, and I see this monster. And I'm saying to myself, okay, man, we've had really good success with Isaac and Travion and Harms and those guys. And, and we needed bigs in that class. That class was him, uh, Kalkbrenner, Hunter Dickinson, uh Colin Castleton you know those are guys that we were kind of on and so I I watch him and they play him in the high post and he's got great passing skills and I'm like man this dude's pretty good so I call paint and I'm like hey coach I just saw this kid he's really good and you know coach doesn't get too high and too low I mean he's gonna be like well okay no problem whatever he said dig into it and get back to me and then Obviously, I call his AU coach and get a hold of him and mom and all that. But uh, Zach was so he was so new to the recruiting process, right? It was almost like a breath of fresh air. And then things kind of tailed off a little bit with it. And then uh, the IMG guys, we kind of circled back with them, and then it picked up heavy and quick. And then we were we were lucky enough to get it done. But there was a lot of discrepancy. Would he go in the in this class or would they reclass him for another year and all that? But, uh, Hey, will you play like, because you coached under paint for a while, like, is that something that you take from paint? Like he's one of the few guys that's still going with traditional bakes. Let's be honest. There yeah. aren't a lot of them left. He's had success with it. Where, where do you stand with that? Are you, Hey, you know, what? paint good. You, you take those traditional bigs. I'm going to go more with the athletic dudes uh, like Babacar and, and some of those other guys. Yeah, I, I'm, I haven't found one. I would take one and I would love one if I could get one. We recruited a kid a couple of weeks ago and he ended up going somewhere else. But I told him, I go, hey, man, I promise you I'll throw you the basketball. I promise you. Um, but at, at A&M Corpus Christi, I didn't have a, a big guy 
um, that got quality minutes like that, you know, so you, you just got to take what you can get and then you've got to figure out the best way to play with them. But yes, I, I believe in it. If you can get one of those guys and you can throw them the basketball and put pressure on the rim and then build skill and shooting around them, man, you're, you're just, you're going to make the game easier for yourself. And and with this team, you know, we've got skill in shooting. I mean, Dante Allen's going to be a really good three-point shooter in this league. Brandon Newman should be a good three-point shooter in this league. Um, so if we could get somebody inside like that, I'll throw them the ball. That's my recruiting pitch for anybody that's listening out there, any of you five guys. So my last question to you is, is you and I are about the same age. We've both been around this game for a while. There have been so many changes here in the last year, so quickly, right? I mean, you've got NIL, you've got the transfer portal. Kids don't have to sit out anymore. You got the extra COVID year. Uh, what am I forgetting? I'm sure I'm forgetting another big one, but those uh, are some of the scandals. I mean, <laughs> yeah, you got the scandals that hopefully are behind us a little bit. Um, it's just been so much so quick. Uh where do you think the game is right now? And, you know, I hear from so many coaches of like the frustration because especially in a place like Western Kentucky, right? If you have a really good young player, if you have a really good high school player you, you bring in this year and maybe plays 10 or 15 minutes this year. And then as a sophomore, he takes a jump, plays 30 minutes, makes it an all league team in, in conference USA. There's a good chance you don't, ever coach him as a junior you know yeah. those high majors are going to go after him and they're going to have a lot more nil than you how hard is this to to process um everything that's changed yeah it, it's a lot it is a lot um and and that's to me where i don't want to tell the fans what to think or do but that's where the fans have to adjust um in my mind like here's my deal these players, um, they're dealing the, the cards that they were dealt. They're dealing with those, right? They didn't, they didn't say, hey, I want NIL and I want it to be 50 or 100 or $500,000. But now that the money has gotten to be where it is, they have to do everything in their power to take advantage of it. So sure. for us to be mad at them would be stupid, right? Um, with that being said, I still believe in the thing that I loved about being in college versus the pros and, and is the relationships, right? So if I am with you for a couple of years, well, I want to be with you the rest of your life. I want to be at your wedding. I want to be there when you have kids and help you through all of that. And the transfer portal in the nil in my mind has just made this more transactional rather than relationship based but again don't be mad at the kids, the kids for for dealing with the hand that they're dealt i worry about the academic component too i don't think it's 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 talked about enough of these kids that are transferring multiple times i get it you know people say well you know, whatever, 40% of all kids transfer in college, whether they're they're athletes or not. Yes, I, I agree. The one time is fine. It's some of these kids, you know, Mikey Han last year, a kid at Penn State, was on his fifth school. Yeah. And and, yeah. and I've talked to him, great kid, whatever, all the power to him. Maybe he could handle it. 
and, and I think it was year seven in college. Yeah. Um, you know, I just worry again that these kids don't understand when they make the decision to transfer, how much it's going to affect them from a, from a standpoint of, again, yeah, it may take them another year in college uh, because they're going to lose credits. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, in, in every official visit I've had for the last 20 years, you meet with the academic guy and he kind of goes through your transcript. But very, very seldom does the student athlete or the family say, all right, man, show me the degree plan and show me what transfers as a direct transfer, what's an elective. Yep. Nobody does that. Nobody's that invested in it, right? Is but, Hey, is the first question now you get from most kids, is it about NIL or no? It's not the first, but it's in the first conversation most of the time. Yeah. yeah. And some of them that are a little more well-versed in it will just ask if you have a collective and those sorts of things versus how much can, can you straight up offer me? And, right. you know, I mean, it, again, I, I, full transparency, you know, you have to, you can't, you can't bury your head in the sand and act like this isn't happening. So you have to address it and you have to, um, at least say that you have that, but I don't, it always blows my mind, but like, how can a kid have a conversation with the coach and that coach go, Hey, I'm going to give you $150,000. Well, that's not the way this is supposed to work, right? The collective is supposed to determine all of that and work with the kid. So this is the problem right now. It, it's, yeah. it's, it is kind of the wild west in terms of there are no consistent rules. Right. And and so the transfer portal then exposes some things too now. So I, I talked to a kid the other night and he goes, hey, coach, I want some NIL money, but whatever you guys tell me I'm going to get, I just want to make sure I get. And I said, why do you say that? He goes, well, this school promised me X dollars. And let's just say the number was 50. And I go, okay, how much did you get? He goes, 11. And I go, oh, I go, well, I'm an honest person. Like if, if you're supposed to get X from the collective, then you should get X from the collective as long as you do your deal. Right. But That's you the hard got, part. yeah, you got to show up and you got to do the tweets and you got to right. do the PR stuff. If you don't do that, it's a business. So they're not going to pay you. And they need contracts. They do. Correct. I mean, yeah. Bottom line is they only, and a lot of them have these agents. Now Here, here's another issue for me. So they have these agents that some are smaller agents that they're getting these kids and they're, they're, they're trying to tell them go in the portal every year because they're going to make more money that way. That's the way the agents are making money. Obviously the more money these kids make and throw them in the portal. Cause then it becomes sort of a bidding process to some degree. It's the darndest thing ever. And I'm not going to throw out names, yep. but I had a guy tell my assistant the other day, he goes, Hey, you can get this kid for 75. This kid's 150. This kid's 30. And, and you're just going, how do you have all of these kids? And so, I, I, like, I start asking around because I, I want to know how this stuff works. And all these guys are doing is they're DMing all these kids. And the kids, that's the way the world works. They hit them back on the DM. And he goes, hey, I've got five schools that are, you know, and I'm going to use Corpus Christi as an example. Hey, maybe Corpus is giving you 10, but I've got five schools that'll give you 75,000 if you go in the portal. Right. What the hell are we doing, guys? And of course, some coaches are just going to say, yeah, I'll give them 75. Right? right. Like, and then when it comes down to it, they get on campus 
or maybe, you know, I mean, listen, we've heard plenty of stories last year of kids that didn't get paid what they were promised or told, or maybe again, I've learned whatever number I hear out there, I usually cut it, cut it in half right now, whatever number I'm hearing these guys get paid, you know, some 600 grand for this dude who averaged eight points a game. Like, come on, like, come on. Uh, anyway, all right, listen, congrats again. Um, one of the best (laughs) hires in the cycle. I've said it. Uh, over and over again, I believe it. I think Western Kentucky fans are going to be uh, excited uh, about you, about the way you coach, about the way you recruit. You've obviously had success. You've worked for some of the best coaches in the country. You and I have known each other a long, long time. So basically, my advice to you is is just don't F it up. Yeah, I hear you, brother. <laughs> so, good luck. Uh, another edition off the carousel. New Western Kentucky head coach, Steve Lutz. Thanks, Steve. Thank you.